Welcome to Sense and Nonsense A to Z, where we pick topics based off of the letter of the day. Today is episode 12 of season one, featuring the letter L. We're family and we're your hosts, A, T, and Z. So let's get started. Well, I'm going to start us off with Labas. Labas? Labas. It's Lithuanian. Hi. Hi. Labas. All right. Yeah. That's nice. So what's going on, Z? Well, I went to Kohl's (laughs) to return (laughs) something for Amazon. Okay. And I got a measly $5 in cold cash. Right. As a promotional gift. However, mm-hmm. you can take off an extra 35% if you open and use a Kohl's card in store today. Wow. I just want to write what a big a FU over this and hand it to the cashier. <laughs> so needless to say, I did not use yeah. this no. $5 in cold cash. No. But I thought, oh, they're getting even cheaper. Yeah. And they're yeah. even trying to force you more and more to open and use that charge card. Sure. Yeah. The thing. It's, it's not happening, Coles. I'm telling you now. Yeah. I'm yeah. never going to open one. <laughs> Actually, out of spite now, because I refuse after all of this shameless yeah. propaganda in my face. How was your Easter? We don't do much because little guy has never been big on the hunting, but he likes to color the eggs. Oh, so we do about three dozen. Yeah. And um, I remember the one year you did so many that oh you made Oh my goodness. So I was like, I what know. am I going to do with all these eggs? Know. Egg salad's <laughs> delish. Oh, I know. I know. I know but, but how much egg salad can you eat? I know. That's why I give them away because it's like, oh my goodness. Sure. You know, after a certain point, you're like, I can't yeah. even handle it anymore. Yeah. But we did that and uh, he got some good stuff, but he doesn't eat candy either. So he mm-hmm. eats like bubbles and juice boxes and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, yeah. I do wish that I could at least have the excuse of buying the chocolate bunny ears because I like those, but yeah. since he doesn't eat candy. It's the best part. I remember is. that my mother used to buy two chocolate bunnies and one white chocolate bunny. Yes. The white yeah. chocolate bunny was for me and the two chocolate bunnies were for my brothers. So. <laughs> Do you find that the white chocolate is sweeter than the milk chocolate? Very much so. Yeah. That's why too. I liked it. Yeah. I got a sweet tooth. Yeah. Let's do our sense or nonsense game. Okay. Are you ready for the topic? Yeah. The lovely state of Louisiana. Oh, Louisiana. Lu- or Louisiana. Louisiana. I've got right. news. I know squat about Louisiana. <laughs> I'm sure there's a couple of things, you know, first question, sense or nonsense, Nicholas Cage built a tomb in New Orleans for when he dies. Sense. He purchased a plot in St. Louis cemetery, built a pyramid shaped tomb. And it's like real modern. I've seen a picture of it. Uh huh. It's like a modern pyramid. Uh huh. And that's his tomb. In like an ancient cemetery, right? Yeah, in an old time cemetery. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I was thinking because I want to go in a tomb. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be cremated. I don't want to go in the ground. <laughs> so I'm thinking what the Parthenon for me, I, Shea stadium, maybe. <laughs> that would be interesting. 
Um, not inches. I'm saying that the tomb should be the shape of. I, I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm wondering how much something like that costs. I can only It's imagine. very interesting that you bring up Nick Cage because I have seen a trailer for a movie that I must go see in a movie theater. I okay. cannot wait for this movie. It is the unbearable weight of massive talent. And it's got Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal in it. And it's coming out on 422. And I'm, I just can't wait to see this movie. Wow. Looks, so you're actually going to go to the movie? Theater? I'm actually going to go. Wow. Yeah. Little guy will be back in school and I'm going to go. I'm going to brave it up. I'm going to go. I'm going to watch this movie because it looks like it's going to be incredible. You're going to do it like a matinee? Yeah. 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 While he's yeah. in school. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hopefully there won't be anybody in there. Okay, ready for the second? Yeah. Sense or nonsense? Surprising someone with a delivered pizza is illegal in Louisiana. Sense. It's a $500 fine to instruct a pizza delivery man to deliver a pizza to someone without them knowing it. <laughs> Yay! I'm two for two. <laughs> yeah, you're two for two. <laughs> okay, here's the last sense or nonsense question. Okay. You need a special license to publicly have a goatee. I'm going to say that's nonsense because it is nonsense, but it's probably true. It is true. <laughs> Goatees must be kept private unless you first pay a special license fee for the privilege of wearing one in public. It's on the books, but it's not enforced. Oh, my God. I did so much research on this one because I'm like, how much is the fee? Yeah. Where do you get this license yeah. from? You know, I checked .gov, couldn't find anything on it. Oh, my goodness. So apparently it's not enforced. All right. So besides pizza and goatee, mm -hmm. there's some weird laws on the books. Mardi Gras beads may not be thrown from a third story window. You could hurt somebody. I know that. But yeah. shouldn't it be like third or above? The law actually says third story. So does that story. Mean I, you know what? There <laughs> probably aren't any buildings that are higher than three stories on a parade yeah. route. Yeah, could be. Yeah. All righty. You're not allowed to throw objects at a parade float. Mm -hmm. Condoms may not be thrown from the parade float. Mm -hmm. Reptiles are not allowed within 200 yards of a parade. That seems like solid advice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Some other weird ones. You're going to love this. Biting someone with natural teeth is a simple assault while biting someone with false teeth is an aggravated assault. Oh my goodness. I guess because you're purposely putting them in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, a person can land in jail for up to 10 years for stealing an alligator. Plus it's illegal to tie up an alligator to a fire hydrant. <laughs> okay, next one is snoring is prohibited unless all bedroom windows are closed and securely locked. So if somebody hears you snore, they could report you. The same thing with gargling is not allowed in public. Really? Yep. Taxi drivers are prohibited from having sex in their taxis. <laughs> Okay. These things are on the books. This is, this is crazy. This is important to know. Yes. And how about this one? There's a three sandwich limit at wakes. You're not allowed to have a fourth sandwich. If you go to a wake, I can see that because people, <laughs> yeah, people get, you know, start stuffing their pockets and whatnot. <laughs> well, they have a lot of wakes in Louisiana. I mean, at least at one point they did. Yeah. 
uh, fake wrestling matches are prohibited. Oh. And I'm wondering whether the WWE goes there. Probably not. Yeah, if they're probably fake. Not. Yeah. yeah. And the last weird thing is you can land in jail for up to a year for making false promises. So do they monitor the politicians? <laughs> no, I guess not. Yeah, probably all these are just not enforced. Okay, some facts. I, I would imagine the one where you can't tie up your alligator, alligator to a fire hydrant yeah. is probably enforced. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Okay, some facts. Louisiana was named after King Louis XIV of France. Mm -hmm. It's the only state in the U.S. that follows the legal system established by Napoleon. Hmm. That state only has parishes instead of counties. counties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Baton Rouge has the tallest state capitol building in the U.S. It's 450 feet high, 34 stories for a capitol building. Wow. The St. Charles streetcar line is the oldest that's still in operation since 1835. The highest point in Louisiana is Driscoll Mountain, 535 feet above sea level. And the lowest point is New Orleans at eight below. Yeah, that's why they get in trouble all the time. Yeah, all the time. All right, so it's uh, the birthplace of jazz. It's also the birthplace of Tabasco sauce, uh, which was the first patent filed in 1870. The birthplace of Jerry Lee Lewis, Ellen DeGeneres, Louis Armstrong, Reese Witherspoon, of which we're going to talk about later. Mm. Manning Brothers, Terry Bradshaw, Tim McGraw, Tyler Perry, and many, many more, of course. And Louisiana is known for their alcohol consumption. Mm. However, their official state drink is milk. Really? Yeah. Milk. I didn't even know states had a, an official drink. I, I didn't, but they, it's like a thing. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked, I found that all over the place that milk is a state drink. It's like, wow. <laughs> I would have thought it would be something alcoholic. I thought it would have been like chicory coffee or something like that. That would have been good too, right? That's or, what or I've Cajun never been. <laughs> I've never been. I want to go. I want to go have beignets at Cafe Du Monde. And I oh. would like to have chicory coffee there. Mm -hmm. And I really don't care to attend Mardi Gras, but no, I would I love to go see the buildings and, yeah. and everything. Yeah. I have a friend in uh, Shreveport. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. A long time friend. Mm -hmm. I've only driven through Louisiana. I've never been there for any kind of touristy yeah, I thing. I haven't or... either. I haven't even driven through it. Don't go that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to do my favorite L actor. Okay. And this is a last name with an L. Oh, it, don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> nah. It's Jude Law. Great actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David Jude Law was born on December 29th, 1972 in London, England. And according to the Secret Language of Birthdays book, December 29th is the day of preeminence. When those born on this day choose to exercise their talent for communication, they can hold audiences spellbound. And I'm going to talk about why that's significant in a minute. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There you have it, right? Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. He has a very large catalog, so I'm only going to talk about a, a few of his titles that are important to me. Okay. The first time I saw him was in 1997 in Clint Eastwood's Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Mm -hmm. He has a small but central role in this movie, and it's very quirky, and I like it a lot. 
Um, A lot of the characters in the movie were based on real people. So I I like that about it. And also it's got John Cusack in it. And I like him a lot. Mm, Me too. But I'm going to skip over to 2006 and The Holiday. This is like one of my favorite rom-coms, actually, because it's so well acted. But it's got him and Cameron Diaz as his (laughs) partner in this one. And then the other couple is Kate Winslet and Jack Black. I like all four. Me too. It's so good. I like it when I'm not watching a movie waiting for somebody else to come on a screen because I'm bored with the people that are there you know and this movie it doesn't matter who's on it's Mm -hmm. awesome yeah it's a nice light movie you know yeah Yeah, it's a rom-com and it it truly is it truly is because it's a funny movie too yeah now I have to jump to 2009 and Sherlock Holmes awesome of course right of course you do yeah Jude plays Dr. John Watson to mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, and he's brilliant in that role. They both were. Mm-hmm. And uh, both Colin Farrell and Sam Worthington were considered for Watson. I'm so glad that didn't happen. No kidding, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, no, no. Jude Law just plays him. He's so yeah. aristocratic, and also he loves a scrap. And he stands up to Robert Downey Jr. being... Sherlock Holmes. He's sure. a little bit of a troublemaker. <laughs> I saw this movie three times in the theater. That's how much I love it. You're kidding me. No. I don't think I've ever gone to a theater for a second time on a movie. I saw no, it's three times. times. Yeah, I saw it three wow. times. Twice by myself. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Big movie for me. Yeah. And then again, they reprised their roles in 2011, mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. Mm-hmm. And I love that one too. I thought it was just as strong as the first one was, which, yeah. you know, it's not always the case, but we've discussed that many a times. Mm-hmm. Original is usually the best. It usually is. And yeah. in this case, I would say they're, they're both on par with each other. They're both very cool. good movies. We're waiting to see if we get a third installment, but I, I think it's more likely that team Downey will take it and make it into a series, but I don't know if it will be the same cast or not. It might be different players. Well, wait and see, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to skip again to 2016. And this is where the day of preeminence really comes into play. And that's with the young Pope. Here we go. Did you see this series? Yes, I did. We followed up every week. (laughs) I can't do that. I got a binge, but this was really, yeah, no, no, no. no, we made it a point to uh, watch it every week. It was different. It was very different. This was a 10 episode mini series where Jude plays Lenny Bellardo, Pope Pius the 13th, the first fictional American Pope. And he's diabolical, mysterious, contradictory, and spellbinding. He really is. He is just electric. He stole every scene for me. He like had a, a light shining on him through the whole thing. Yeah. There's some ambiguity about who he was. You know, yeah. whether he was the second coming, whether he was the yeah. Antichrist. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, they, exactly. Had, they had a lot going on there, which wasn't helped by later in the series where he falls into a coma. And then in the new Pope yeah. goes through three failed heart transplants and is in a coma for 12 months and then inexplicably 
like heals himself and is resurrected. And there's lots of debate over whether he just woke up or whether he died and rose again or what, but there was a lot of correlation between him and Jesus. This is just a very thought provoking series Mm -hmm. and Judas excellent in it he oh, is yeah. so compelling oh amazing. my god in the third episode of the young pope uh, a new title sequence kicks in mm-hmm. and it's a rocking instrumental cover of all along the watchtower and it plays as jude law walks very slowly mm-hmm. but jauntily in his papal garb that was designed <laughs> by the same people that make the Vatican's clothes, by the way, it was made by the same company. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They made his clothes. So they, it, they're all authentic. He's walking through this gallery of vibrant religious paintings that depict the history of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And after a full minute of watching him walk, he turns and winks <laughs> at you. Yeah. And he gives a little smile and he's continuing to walk the whole time. Yeah. And when he does that, you just fall in love with him a little bit. <laughs> it's so unexpected for him to do that. It's such right. a cheeky move sure. that he does that. Sure. You know, it's so roguish. It's um, incredible. And when I binge a show, mm-hmm. I usually will just watch the title sequence one time. And then for each subsequent show in the sitting, I'm just like, I just skip it but I can't for this one. I have to watch it every time. And in the new Pope, they changed the title sequence because he's in a coma and he's not at the forefront of the series. John Malkovich comes in and he's the new Pope, um, John Paul III. But once Lenny wakes up, the all along the watchtower kicks in again. But this time, instead, (laughs) instead of being in the Vatican, he's, he's on a beach. Yeah. And he's walking in this white Speedo. Wow. (laughs) Surrounded by all the women in his life in bikinis and stuff. And he's doing the jaunty walk in slow motion. Yep. And all the women are kind of, you know, in various states of drooling over him, (laughs) right? And then when he gets to the end, he turns and he gives you the wink again. And it's it's devastating. And the nun at the end just swoons and faints. And you gotta, (laughs) you totally feel like her because you're like giddy and a little turned on, but also ashamed of yourself because he's the Pope. And there's like, all exactly. this stuff happening, but exactly, it's, he's just, he's absolutely incredible in these two series. And yeah. it's with the cast of characters who are also outstanding. Mm-hmm. So to shine so brightly and be so commanding, even amongst a cast that is absolutely brilliant, it just speaks even more about him. And this is the first time that I'm really, I was really blown away by him. Like, don't get me wrong. I adore him as Dr. Watson. I really do. But sure. he blew me away as the young Pope. He really wow. did. Wow. That in 2017, he was in King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, mm-hmm. another Guy Ritchie movie. Oh, the yeah, Sherlock that's right. Holmes or Guy Ritchie right. movies. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, he plays Vortigern, who is the brother of Uther Pendragon, and he's uncle to Arthur. And he is such a bad guy in this movie. He's terrible. He's power hungry. And he basically sells his soul and kills everybody he loves 
in order to kill Uther and wield Excalibur, but it doesn't work out well for him. Mm-hmm. You know, Arthur comes back and just owns who he is and gets the sword and beats the crap out of him. So <laughs> he may have 20 years as king, but it comes at a very, very high price for him. Mm-hmm. Then in 2018, he was in Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. He is a youngish Albus Dumbledore. (sighs) And um, I say that because Albus Dumbledore in the Harry Potter films, he's very old. And in this one, he's probably in his late 40s, like Jude actually is right right now. And these movies take place primarily in New York. Okay, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore just came out on April 15th. So that should be interesting. It's the next installment. Wow. So it's in the movie theaters now. Does that mean you're going to go? I don't know. I have to see. <laughs> I want to. Yeah, because I want to see the unbearable weight of massive talent. Right. So right. that's going to be my first foray. And it's spring break. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids, I think, will go to see this. So <sighs> yeah, well, a little hesitant. You may have to wait till the following week. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to wait a little bit. (laughs) Make a phone call. How many kids are are there? (laughs) Have you been inundated? Um, I'm interested to see this movie though, because Mads Mikkelsen has taken over as Grindelwald from Johnny Depp's. So I'm, I'm interested to see them spar with each other and see how it goes. Cause this relationship between these two men is very compelling mystery in the wizarding world. So I'm interested. Yeah. So that's what's happening. That's Jude Law, my favorite L actor. Just want to mention that I'd seen him on uh, SNL. Oh. He's done it twice, but Mm -hmm. I remember it's about 10 years that he did one and he was funny. He's good. Yeah. He's really good. He was adorable, of course. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah, definitely. He's got some good chops, though. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the 10 questions L edition. Okay. Ready? I am. Okay. First question. What was on your lunchbox when you were a kid? That's a good question. I had a few, I think. I'm sure you did. Yeah. Do you remember any of them? I think one was Star Wars. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I used to have those coloring books too. What (laughs) what was yours? Mine was Lassie. Oh my goodness. And I remember I dropped the thermos. Oh, bummer. Yeah. I think I had like Star Wars and Strawberry Shortcake, I think was one too. (laughs) (sighs) Good memory. Yeah. Okay. Number two, ever wanted to live in a log cabin? No, I'll vacation in one, Mm -hmm. but not long-term. No. I did at one time until I saw the construction of it. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah. No, never, never. <laughs> Construction so lame. I mean, it's it's so, I don't know, what, 1600s, 1800s, whenever yeah. they were built? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Favorite flavor lollipop? Depends. Depends? Is that a flavor? No. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> like a little lollipop, like bubble gum, but like a, like a blow pop, green apple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mine's always cherry. Cherry. No matter what. I have a hard time with a lot of cherry things because sometimes it tastes like medicine to me. Oh, because you think of that. Yeah. 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 So I have a hard time with that. Yeah. I still like cherry. 
Okay. Lemon meringue pie or key lime pie? Key lime pie. All right. Name a Lawrence. Lawrence Fishburne. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> How did you there know? Was, I knew it. There was no way you were going to go with like Lawrence of Arabia or Lawrence, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I knew no. it. I knew it. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Do you have a lucky charm other than your son? Because <laughs> I'm sure he's your lucky charm. Well, he's some kind of charm. Um, <laughs> maybe my thumb ring that I've been wearing for like 30 years. Hmm. That's a good one. I always have it. It's yeah. always on. So it's a good one. Do you know what I do? Mm -hmm. Whenever I find like a penny or whatever. Yeah. I keep them. <laughs> do you? Yeah. I keep them. Good for you. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, it's got to be lucky, right? Yeah, it's good. You would think. <laughs> All righty. Is less more? I think the PC answer would be yes. But I can think of many occasions where no, it's, it's not. not. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, it depends less on the circumstance. Of whipped cream on my pumpkin pie. No, it's not. <laughs> I would like more, please. Depends on the circumstance. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I find less is more a lot. Yeah. Whenever I take a photo for real estate, uh huh. I say that to myself constantly. I'm taking a picture of like a room. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Don't do the wide angle that wide. Less is more. Uh -huh. You know, when I keep on thinking that, that's when it comes up for me all the time. Got yeah, ya. less is more. Got ya. Okay, next question. I guess that was a lame question. Sorry about no, that. Okay, next no. next <laughs> next question. Let it be or all you need is love. Oh my God. <laughs> hey. I asked the tough questions. You here. asked the tough <laughs> questions. You're a hard-hitting reporter. Um <laughs> All you need is love. Yeah, for me too. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. That's right. <laughs> There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Song. <laughs> okay, next question. Ever been to the Statue of Liberty? I have not. No. Isn't that ridiculous? It is. Yeah. <laughs> live, we live in New Jersey. I know. You lived how many years in New Jersey? I still live in New Jersey. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I know. I never I, did any of the tourist stuff in New York. I've actually passed it. Yeah, me too. I, I remember, well, real close. I was on a ferry that went from Manhattan to Staten Island. Yeah. And I was right there. Right. You know? That's the only time. Yeah. I've never I, been to the darn thing. I've waved at it. Oh, yeah. I've you flown know. by it a bunch. Sure. But, but uh, stop there? never. Yeah, no, me neither. No. I, no, never did any of that <laughs> I stuff. Why? I know. I know. Okay, last question. Last time in a limo. The last time I was in a limo was when Papu died. Oh, shoot. Sorry to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> so that was an O2. Yeah. I got to tell you a quick little story about my last limo ride. Okay. Friend of mine from Staten Island. I don't know if you remember her name is Pat. We used to rescue animals together. Mm. Was having her 40th. And she wanted to have this special birthday so she invited her closest friends to go out to dinner it was a beautiful night beautiful it was right across from new york skyline it was beautiful mm -hmm. and the limo was a stretch hummer oh my goodness as soon as we opened the door all we could smell is urine ew 
I mean, it reeked of urine. Ew. This limo driver hit everything in his path. He hit this car. He hit that car. <gasps> he hit, oh yeah. He hit this sign. He hit that sign. He backed up into a car. He, oh, oh my God. My God. We were like, are we going to die? And just kept guy? going? Oh, he just hit everything and kept he going? Hit everything. He hit everything in his path. Yep. He ran over signs. He ran up curbs. It was, was a huge. No, it was just, I, I think it was just out of his uh, wheelhouse. <laughs> oh my God. It was huge. And he couldn't make a K turn. So he just ran stuff over in order oh to make a K turn and stuff like that. And it's like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That was my last limo ride. Yeah. I think it would have been mine too. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm going to talk about my favorite L edition movie. Okay. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. It's Legally Blonde. Oh, yay. The original. Mm -hmm. This movie was released in 2001. Mm -hmm. Based off a novel called Legally Blonde, written by Amanda Brown and her experiences as a blonde woman who loved fashion. She loved everything pink, Elle magazine, and she attended Stanford Law School. I think this novel was based off of her letters back home. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. It's nice that she was able to turn her horrible experience into something awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that she submitted her manuscript on pink paper. That's awesome. Was it sent it to? <laughs> I don't think it was. No, no. I don't think she went that far, but... We mentioned earlier that she was born in Louisiana. We yes, did Louisiana stuff. Yeah. Her name in the movie was Elle Woods, who was in college, a fashion merchandising major, came from a wealthy family. Mm -hmm. She was sweet. She was smart, bubbly, liked to have fun, was nice to everybody. Everybody liked her. Mm -hmm. She was the president of her sorority. The sorority name was Delta Nu, which comes up a lot mm -hmm. within the movie. But obviously, some people just looked at her as a dumb blonde. Yeah was through the whole movie, trying to overcome that dumb blonde stereotype of which she was smart as a whip. She was, yeah. She also liked to bring her chihuahua with her everywhere. His name was Bruiser Woods. Yeah. She carried I, him in her pink designer tote. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that helped the uh, dumb blonde image. Yeah. You know, I, know. I mean, it was I, really, she really played into that stereotype. Yeah. Well, and always wearing pink. Yeah. That was yeah. her signature color. It was. <laughs> So the movie first starts out with her going to a special dinner with her boyfriend, Werner Huntington III, mm -hmm. expecting a marriage proposal. So she gets all dolled up and she's waiting for the moment. And the moment comes and he dumps her. Yeah. So rude. <laughs> Big bummer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so rude. He's so rude about it too. <laughs> yeah. Reason being is that she's not a serious enough kind of person because mm -hmm. he's going to go to Harvard and his family expects him to get into politics and be a senator, that he needed to marry a Jackie and not a Marilyn. Devastated, she comes up with a plan to actually get herself into Harvard, works hard and gets in. Once mm -hmm. she gets to Harvard, she finds out that he's engaged to someone else. Yeah, he didn't waste any time, did he? No, no, not at all. Vivian Kensington, who was played by Selma Blair. Now she had to come up with a different plan. 
to try to get him back. In the process, she meets Emmett, played by Luke Wilson. I like him a lot. Oh, I do too. I loved him in this movie. Mm -hmm. So she runs into him on the school grounds. He gives her advice about some of the teachers and that sort of thing. So she really started applying herself and she was exceptional. She was then awarded a spot on this one professor's legal team. The professor's name was Professor Callahan who was a jerk. Mm-hmm. Emmett happened to have been a associate attorney on Callahan's team. So the case was Brooke Taylor Wyndham, played by Allie Lauder, charged with shooting and killing her very wealthy husband. But she was wealthy on her own because she used to run workout classes and had workout videos. So she was big in that industry. It ended up that she went to the same college and was a Delta New alumni. When Elle showed up, As her legal team, she recognized her. There was a total connection there. Mm -hmm. So Professor Callahan did such a crappy job on Brooke's defense because deep down, he thought she was guilty. Mm -hmm. After Callahan hit on Elle and forced her to quit, Brooke, the defendant, (laughs) and Emmett came up with a plan to have Elle represent her since there was some sort of precedent in the law that a law student can appear on behalf of the defendant, provided that a licensed attorney supervises. Mm -hmm. So Emmett stepped in, he supervised, supported Elle, and kind of encouraged her too. Mm -hmm. So big case. It's great. My favorite parts are right in there. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that in a minute. Elle ends up taking over, winning the case. And at the end, Werner who she fought so hard to try to get him back, crawls back to her and says, I made a mistake. I want you back. And her classic line is, if I'm going to be a partner in a law firm, by the time I'm 30, I need a boyfriend who's not such a complete bonehead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those cheering moments. Oh, because the whole time you're like, oh, why do you want to be with this D-bag, yeah, you know? exactly. And then when she finally is like, I don't want you. Yeah, it's, you're done. it's wonderful. Done. Oh, absolutely. Then the whole class graduates. She gives a commencement address at the graduation. And there you have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it's a fun uh, movie. It's, a, it's such a fun movie. I think it's uplifting. Mm-hmm. And it's one that you just keep on rooting for her the whole time. Yeah. I love those kind of movies. But a couple of parts that I really like a lot. And I'm sure you have some because you've seen it just as many times as I have. Yeah, I've seen a bunch. I've seen a bunch. A ton. ton. I'm I'm sure we share a lot of favorite scenes too. Okay. All right. So one was during the trial, one of the witnesses was the poor boy, Enrique Salvatore, (laughs) who was claiming to be Brooke's lover. He cuts in front of Elle going to the water fountain Mm -hmm. and she starts tapping her foot. And then he finishes his water and he says, don't dump your last season Prada shoes on me, honey. <laughs> Which made Elle realize that this guy is gay. Yeah. You know, because gay guys know designer shoes. Of course. So that played into the case. And Emmett ran with that information and mm-hmm. got him on the stand. And then he, by mistake, admitted that his friend was Chuck. <laughs> Oh, Chuck's just a friend. You bitch. (laughs) Chuck leaves. (laughs) I love that part. So my favorite part is when Elle cross-examines Chutney, the daughter on the witness stand. And 
the whole thing about taking a shower mm-hmm. came up. So your father was shot while you were in the shower. shower. She's like, yeah, yeah, I was washing my hair. hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. When so you were in the shower. <laughs> we, when you were in the shower and the judge is like, I think we've established that she was in the shower. In the shower. And then she asked her what she'd done that day. What she had done earlier that day. She said, oh, I got up, got a latte, went to the gym, got a perm, came home. And that's when you went into the shower? Yes. She's like, hmm. How many friends have you had? Like uh, two a year for the last 15 years. So everybody knows you can't wet your curls in the first 24 hours. Yeah, exactly. Busted. Busted. That was great to the point that she actually admitted that she killed her father. Yeah. 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 I mean, Elwin's. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And then Callahan has that boo-boo face. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. Especially since he's given her like this dirty look the whole time. Yeah. The whole thing. And just kind of like shaking his head. Yeah. Yeah, Like. See, she's going to screw this whole exactly. thing Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Being <laughs> smug. Yeah. But the really good part is when Chutney admits it, mm-hmm. Elle goes, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> then the judge goes, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's like, what's going on here? So good. Love the movie. Just it's a good it. movie. There's good one-liners in it too. Like, oh, um, yeah, the rules of hair care are simple and finite. Yes. Any Cosmo girl would have known, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, happy people don't shoot their husbands. They just don't. <laughs> <laughs> they have endorphins. Endorphins, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then also her her career counselor person. She's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Harvard won't be impressed that you aced history of polka dots. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, this movie was so great. I love how her I sorority gets behind her and Absolutely. helps her study yeah. for the LSAT. She got a yeah. 179 and the perfect score is 180. I mean, this girl was yeah, no that, joke. No, not at all. And the other part I love, I can't remember this, this guy's name, but he was in her class and he was kind of a nerd. Okay. And he was hitting on some girls and they were yes. being real derogatory. Yes. We would never go out with someone like you or whatever. And she hears that and she's like, oh no. And she yeah. goes and she slaps him in the face and she's yep. like, how dare you? dare you? You never called me after giving me the best night of my life and all this other stuff. And, you know, he's like, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And she goes in this big tirade and then she's like, oh, and she storms off. And then the girls are like, so you want to go out? Yeah. His name is David. Ah, uh, David. That's yeah. right. I couldn't remember his name. Here's another part. How about the bend and snap? Oh my God. The bend and snap. <laughs> Works every time. <laughs> Except yeah. for Paulette. She broke that UPS guy's nose. <laughs> my yeah. snap was all over the place. <laughs> That was during the water fountain thing. She was on the phone with her. Yeah. 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 It was a, it's just a good movie. It's a great, I like it's a great movie. That turn the tables on stereotypes. I, yeah, I, I do. And, and this was just one of them. And it also, yep. you know, when I was a kid growing up, before I saw this movie, I, re- I really had a thing against pink. I, I bought into that stereotype that pink was for super girly girls. And really? if you were serious, you didn't wear pink, not oh, that, not yeah. that kind of pink. Yeah. yeah and then I, I, and love, then I saw I Legally pink. Blonde and I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Pink and is good. Changed, yeah. It kind of changed my perception of it a little bit for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it did what it was supposed to do. 
Yeah. I just wanted to mention two other things. I remember going to the movie theaters. I could not wait to see Legally Blonde 2. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Yeah, it was a bit but of a I, I just couldn't wait. And now I can't wait till Legally Blonde 3. I don't know what that's going to be like. <laughs> well, we'll see. They started putting it together in 2020, but because of the pandemic, it's been delayed. Mm-hmm. The thought is that it's going to be released next month. Oh. And the co-writer is Mindy Kaling. She's really good. She's awesome. Yeah, she's really good. Yeah. So, I like her. Uh, but great movie. Love it. Mm-hmm. Totally recommend it. It's timeless, too. Yeah. My favorite L movie. Okay is Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Biggie. Massive, right? But I'm going to- I love Peter Jackson, by the way. I do too. I do too. Have you seen the Lord of the Rings movies? I've seen bits and pieces. Okay. So this is very much my genre and it's based on J.R.R. Tolkien's book, The Return of the King. Mm -hmm. But it also has parts of the two towers in it since Peter Jackson has the movies move in chronological order but the Mm -hmm. books don't do that. So Tolkien wrote these books to be so complex (sighs) that they would never be filmed. But little did he know, Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, and Philippa Boyens were up for the challenge. (laughs) Well, that's because Peter Jackson's genius. Peter Jackson's amazing. He really is. And he cherry-picked the books for the storylines they could use to tell the central story of Elijah Wood's character, Frodo. Fulfilling the monumental task of carrying the one ring from the elvish city of Rivendell to Mount Doom in Mordor, where Sauron, the Lord of the Rings, rules to be destroyed. So these scripts were so complex, too, that they were essentially being rewritten every day of this 16-month shoot. No kidding. And they would take input from the actors and actresses because mm-hmm. they were so heavily involved with their characters. And Viggo Mortensen actually he's had awesome. a lot of input. He's he's so awesome. So I love all three movies, Fellowship of the Ring that came out in 2001, mm-hmm. The Two Towers, 2002. Right. But I especially love The Return of the King, 2003. Well, that's the best one, isn't it? That's th- the last one it was released. It's, it's yeah. the last one. Yeah. I think it's the best one. And it yeah. is my favorite because- even though it's basically Frodo's story, this right. movie very much deals with Aragorn, Viggo Mortensen's character, mm-hmm. coming into his own and finally accepting his destiny as the king of Gondor. And this very much enables Frodo to be able to carry out the last and most dangerous part of his mission. Originally, Stuart Townsend was going to be Aragorn. Oh. And that didn't work out for various reasons. And Interesting. Yes. And uh, Viggo Mortensen's son, Henry, is the reason that Viggo took this part because he had never read the books and he had never met with Peter Jackson before. Oh, wow. And he started filming on day four. So he never had any training, any fight training beforehand like the other characters did. Really? But um The veteran swordmaster, Bob Anderson, called Viggo Mortensen the best swordsman he'd ever trained. Wow. I know. So he went from zero to like 260 super fast. (laughs) And I mean, he would carry that. to be. Yes. He would (laughs) carry that sword around with him wherever he went. He got in trouble a couple of times with the police because he was just walking around town carrying the sword around. I know. (laughs) He's getting into the character. Definitely. (laughs) You know, they said he was so into it. Peter Jackson talked to him for half an hour and he was calling him Aragorn. He didn't even flinch. Like he was just like, I'm in it. I'm in it. 
So in this movie, we basically follow the two storylines of the first being Frodo's storyline. But Mm -hmm. what's interesting about this movie is it's the first time we see Gollum as his first self, as Smeagol on the screen and how he came to have the ring and then his subsequent degeneration into Gollum as the obsession with the ring destroys his life very quickly. Andy Serkis plays both Smeagol and Gollum. He does a magnificent job. I mean, the guy's incredible. But it's important to see this because it's the first time we really understand what Frodo's been going through. He's been carrying this ring for a year and you know you, you see it sometimes he he's a little paranoid his body is becoming physically weak but we don't really know what he's up against what he's been fighting all this time until we see Smeagol go through it and then you're like damn hmm. this poor guy is yeah. really going through it yeah it's weighing heavy it is and it's you know it's destroying his neck his the skin around his neck is like burning through yeah. i mean it, it's physically really taking his toll and he's following gollum into mordor through this very treacherous path of the morgul vale and sam is very suspicious of gollum's motives for doing this he he does not trust him at all and and rightfully so because gollum is trying to pull a fast one right but but Frodo doesn't want to see it. He he treats Gollum with a ton of compassion because he knows the power of the ring and he, he's going through it himself. So he doesn't want to believe that Gollum is irredeemable because he doesn't want to believe that he is irredeemable. Mm-hmm. So the second storyline is of Aragorn trying to ally the kingdoms of Gondor and Rohan to stand against the armies of Mordor in a great battle at Minas Tirith, which is the white city of Gondor. And this is very difficult to say the least because there's a lot of pride and ego going on here between the king of Rohan and the steward of Gondor. And there are so many people in this movie. So many good people. So many amazing people, right? We have Ian McKellen as Gandalf, Orlando Bloom as Legolas, Sean Astin as Samwise Gamgee, Awesome. Bernard Hill is Theoden. Miranda Otto is Eowyn. John Rhys Davies is Gimli. And the steward of Gondor is Denethor, played by John Noble. And he wants that ring for himself. And he's super pissed that his beloved son, Boromir, who is played by Sean Bean, has been killed. And now he wants to protect his power and not bow to the ranger from the north who is Aragorn. And this leads to one of my favorite parts of the movie. Gandalf has gone and is like giving him counsel and he's super pissed at Gandalf for not telling him about Boromir. And he's like, I'm I'm not bowing to Aragorn, forget it. You're not supplanting me as a steward. And Gandalf says to him, authority is not given to you to deny the return of the king. And every time he says that, every time I see it, it's like chills through my whole body. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Oh my God. It's because that's hope, you know, it's hope that this is going to work. And because he refuses to acknowledge Aragorn, he also refuses to reach out to Rohan by lighting the beacons. And this was an ancient communication system that they used between the two kingdoms to signal that they would need aid from each other. Hmm. And through a little bit of mischief, 
um, and using Pippin to do it, they light the beacons. And that moment of like, I'm thinking of it right now, I'm getting chills, I got goosebumps all over. <laughs> the lighting of the beacons, watching that happen is very inspirational. That so then sense. we, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that, you know, it's faster yeah. than sending a rider, you yeah. know, that would take days. They could yeah. figure out in a couple of hours. Back in Rivendell, Arwen, who's played by Liv Tyler, mm-hmm. is dying because she can't withstand the evil that's growing out of Mordor. And she implores her father, Elrond, who is played by Hugo Weaving, to reforge the sword of Narsil for Aragorns, because that sword was used to defeat Sauron by his ancestor, Isildur. And they reforge the sword and he takes it to Rohan to give to Aragorn in order to win this war, he will need to become the king of Gondor. He can't just be another man in the army. He has to wield the power of the sword as the king. And he tells Aragorn, I give hope to men. Hmm. And Aragorn says, I keep none for myself because he's pretty sure he's going to die. He's not going to survive this thing. But he takes it and then he is able to command uh, a cursed undead army, which is very helpful. And, you know, by taking up this this mantle for himself, he can also taunt Sauron with it because Sauron has been hunting him for a really long time because he has the power to unite the kingdoms of men. The return of the king is very significant against the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And it also gives Sam and Frodo time to get to Mount Doom without all the armies of Mordor being in there because they're drawn out by the king. I'm so impressed with the work that Elijah Wood and Sean Astin did on this. Hands down, it's brilliant. Perfectly cast. Absolutely. The vulnerability, the strength, the unflagging loyalty that the two of them share, the camaraderie. It comes through and you're absolutely right. So that when we're on Mount Doom and Frodo just can't go on anymore, he just can't, he can't Mm -hmm. walk anymore. Sam's like, I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you. And he picks him up and he starts carrying him. And by that point, you're like in tears because I've actually seen that part. Oh, it's, it's so inspiring. And they get almost to the top and then Gollum rears his ugly head and Mm -hmm. tackles them because he wants the ring for himself. Right. Sam is fighting Gollum and Frodo's like got a last ditch effort to crawl up the mountain and get in there, you know, and yeah, he finally gets in there and he's standing at those precipice before throwing the ring into the lava and he just can't do it. Hmm. The ring has overtaken him and he can't destroy it. Watching Sam, just his heart is breaking now because of all that they've endured Through. to get to this <laughs> yeah. point. And they're inches away from victory and it's not happening. Frodo puts the ring on and he turns invisible, but that also alerts Sauron to where the ring is. So his eye turns on him and hope is lost in that moment. We're like, Mm -hmm. crap, you know, (laughs) now what? (laughs) Yeah. And then, and Gollum is like, no, 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 no. That ring is mine. And he jumps on Frodo. And he winds up biting the ring off of Frodo's finger. He takes his finger with it. It's really gross. I know. It's disgusting. But Frodo is now obsessed with the ring and he's not having that. So he tries to get the ring back. And the two of them are like grapple fighting for this ring. And that's how 
Smeagol got it in the first place. He fought his friend for the ring. Oh, okay. So it's a full circle situation. And they wind up going over the side. Mm. And Gollum falls in the lava. And he's so obsessed with this ring that even as he's falling in this lava, he's trying to keep the ring aloft from from being destroyed. Even as he's even as he's sinking in it. Wow. If it finally goes into the lava and it's destroyed, thankfully. But Frodo is hanging over the side and he doesn't know whether he should let go or not, because he is now realizing free of the ring, what he's done yeah, and how it's affected him. And he doesn't know if he can come back from it. And Sam's hanging over the side and he's like, don't you dare, don't you dare let go, you know? And he's like, all right, fine. And he takes his hand and he pulls him up. There are so many moments in this movie that are inspirational like that. Choosing life, choosing good, choosing to not be corrupted by it. I mean, yeah, because it was all about power. It's all about power. And, you know, Sauron tried multiple times to corrupt Aragorn and he just refused. And I I just find that to be so inspirational every time because he was acutely aware of the failures of his ancestors. It's still good. I'm still affected by it. It got a ton of awards. It got 11 Oscars, best picture. That's amazing. Best director, best adapted screenplay. That says it right there. It was the first fantasy movie to win the Academy Award for best picture. How about that? It's amazing. It's immense. Over 6 million feet of film was shot during production. Wow. That's incredible, right? Yeah, that's I'm sure it was an editing nightmare. Uh, editing our stuff is hard. I can't even imagine. Well, it took ours is a nightmare. You can't me? Oh, it took a year to cut it down from wow. four and a quarter hours to three hours and 12 minutes a year. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I have so much wow. compassion for editors. For now. Sure. It's an amazing movie. Yeah. And it paved the way for Peter Jackson to be able to do the Hobbit yeah. trilogy as well. Yeah. So it was a significant movie. And one of those movies that didn't disappoint, like we talked about earlier, they successfully adapted this thing and it was a beast. Yeah. But that was it. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, my favorite Owl movie. Okay, let's do our L peeves. Okay, I'm ready. You go first. All right. My LP is loud music at inappropriate times like the gas station. <laughs> now, I don't want this to sound oh, crotchety. I, I know what you mean. Yep. But, but I hate when people pull into the gas station. Boom, 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 boom. I boom. hate that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And like often leave it on. Yeah. While they're yeah. Pumping, pumping or while they're running into the store yeah. or whatever it is. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like the obnoxiously loud ones. Don't you get that in line too? When you're waiting in line at a drive-thru, you get the same. It's like, dude. I, I don't know. I don't get it that much at the drive-thrus, but I also get it at traffic lights. Oh yeah. And yeah. it's like, come on. Mm-hmm. And I know it might sound a little bit crotchety, but this is something that has bugged me my whole life. I think it bugs everybody. It's like, why? Why are you? I can't hear my own radio over your BS <laughs> that's coming out of your vehicle. And you can't, I don't care what you say. You're not enjoying music at that <laughs> level. 
you're just blown out your eardrums. Everything's yeah. distorted. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need that much space. And this is coming from somebody who used to go to a lot of concerts and stand in front of speakers and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, and who doesn't mind loud music? I don't mind loud music, <laughs> Yeah. but, but like, I don't want it at one o'clock in the morning when I'm trying to sleep or my kids right. trying to sleep. I don't right. want that. I don't want it at the gas station. I don't want it when I'm waiting at a, at a red light either. It's yeah. like, come on, turn it down, please. Yeah. Don't make me out to be a horrible person because I'm asking you to be reasonable. You don't get it at nighttime, do you? Somebody like a neighbor coming home from something and um, not a lot, but it has happened or yeah, like people having people having parties late. I get having a party, yeah. but you are also living in a neighborhood, sure, you know, sure. and there are a lot of kids in our neighborhood too. Mm -hmm. So it's like, by the time 11 o'clock rolls around, take it inside and turn it down. Yeah. Be a little bit respectful of the people around you. One would think. One would hope. So that's my, that's my LP. A good one. Thanks. I agree with that. Thanks. But I came up with something different, obviously. Okay. Okay. My LP is live streaming of sports. Okay. Why you say, let me yeah. explain. <laughs> Can I say why? Why? Oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> I watch every Met game. Okay. I rarely, rarely miss a game. So in the off season, the Mets acquired a couple of significant free agents. One being Max Scherzer, awesome pitcher. Okay. Three-time Cy Young winner. He was on Nationals, and then he went to the Dodgers at the end of last season. Then he was a free agent, and we picked him up. Awesome guy. So he was scheduled to pitch the second game of the season. So I get ready for the game, seven o'clock. Right before seven o'clock, I turn TV on and I'm like, okay, where's the game? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not on SNY, which is the regular Sports New York channel that mm -hmm. the Mets are on. Hmm. Okay, let me go to, you know, a couple of the other channels that it might be on. No. Hmm. Okay. They're playing the Nationals. I have direct TV. Let me see if. It's on just the nationals. No. So I go online. I'm like, where the hell is this thing? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was an on MLB network, ESPN. I'm looking all over. No. Apple plus. Oh no. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Why? It's going to be a new thing. Oh. For the past couple of years, they've had one game like on Facebook. So you got to figure it out. You got to figure out, you know, how to connect it to your TV, yada, yada, yada. But Apple Plus, I mean, come on, you need a subscription for that. Yeah, you do. I, I pay a buku money for direct TV mm -hmm. and I can't get my game. Yeah. I have to figure something out for Apple Plus. I missed the game. That's and a he bummer. It was a big bummer. And he pitched and he did well. We won and yeah, not fun live streaming on the sports and you got to pay for it. Come on. People are already paying for cable. People are already paying for direct TV or all the other network kind of stuff. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. So anyway, yeah. that's my peeve. All right. My favorite L band. Okay. They're huge. All righty. One of my absolute favorites. It's Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Love them. Just yeah. love them. They started in 1968 and how it started was that Jimmy Page was in the Yardbirds and the Yardbirds were pretty much wrapping up. Jimmy wanted to put a super band together. He wanted lead singer, Perry Reed, but Reed didn't want anything to do with this, but he recommended Robert Plant. Mm -hmm. 
at the time, Robert Plant was in Band of Joy, and he was having some issues with the management. So he joined, brought John Bonham with him, who was a longtime friend. Mm -hmm. And John Paul Jones had done some studio work with Jimmy Page. So he had his band, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones, and John Bonham. They went on a Scandinavian tour. Jimmy Page had gotten the permission to use the name Yardbirds. But what he did is they called themselves the new Yardbirds. When they finished the tour in September of 68, they came back and started compilating an album based off of their live performances. The Yardbirds got wind of that, sent them a notice of cease and desist of the name Yardbirds. When Jimmy Page had talked about putting together a super group, Keith Moon and John Entwistle commented that that would go down like a lead balloon. That's where the name Led Zeppelin came from. Cool. That's a good name. It's a great name. They actually came together as a super group anyway. Mm -hmm. You have the best front man in rock history, the best rock singer. I mean, there's been so many different surveys done. Robert Plant always comes up, whether he's number one or number two. Best guitarist of all time. Jimmy Page's name is always there. If he's not number one, he's number two. And John Bonham, to this day, even though he died in 1980, he's still known as the best rock drummer ever. Unfortunately, John Paul Jones, the most creative guy, he was always like the guy in the background. He's quiet. Yeah, very quiet and never really got the recognition that the other guys got, but he's very talented. He plays a whole bunch of things. He's amazing. So. Phil Collins came in, helped the guys out, and Jason Bottom, John Bottom's son, came in and had done some tours. I kick myself to this day that I didn't make it a point to go see Led Zeppelin with Jason Bonham. Yeah. But I, I have seen Jason on his own, and he does do some Led Zeppelin songs. He's awesome. Mm -hmm. All the albums, I have them all. I even have the uh, digitally remastered box set. Mm-hmm. I have a SD card slot in my truck. It's in my glove box. So I have all the albums on one little SD card in my truck at all times. Mm -hmm. That's how much I love this band. To the point that it's my ringtone for hubby. Mm -hmm. His ringtone is cashmere. Mm -hmm. My text ringtone is trampled underfoot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when you call me, it's black dog. And yes. that's why I answer the phone. Hey, mama. Uh-huh. <laughs> All the time. It's a great song. I love that song. I don't so, mind just being associated with black dog. Of course not. You no. kidding me? I know you know so much about Led Zeppelin too. Do you have some favorite songs? My, yes. My favorite song is Good Times, Bad Times. No. Oh. In the days of my youth, I was told what it means to be a man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it starts great, but like, I just, I can identify with this song yeah. a lot for myself. Yeah. When I was listening to Days and Confused, I'm like, God, I really associate this song with my childhood a lot. Why is that? You know, mm -hmm. like I have all these memories associated with it. And I go and I ask my mother, I'm like, what's your favorite uh, Led Zeppelin song? And she's like, Days and Confused. I'm like, okay, I got there it. Go. Now I know That's why. why. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, But I love uh immigrant song that is one of my favorite songs my favorite song is cashmere but my mm -hmm. second favorite is immigrant song that was really the first song that got me that mm -hmm. got me right down to my core yeah and that was like oh these guys are excellent yeah yeah, yeah. that song is in ragnarok thor ragnarok too oh well, and it I makes love, sense yeah yeah 
I love that scene. I, I will replay it over and over for that song and the imagery. It's just yeah. perfect. Taika Waititi yeah. did a great job with picking uh-huh. that song. Mm-hmm. Did I ever tell you about why they named Black Dog, Black Dog? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, that they were recording and there's this one black dog outside the studio all the time and very friendly Yeah, and would hang out with the guys. And then when they were finished with the song, they they were like, what should we name this song? And they always have weird names. Yeah, they do. Trampled Underfoot. Do they say that in the whole song? No, no. 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 Cashmere. Do they say that? Just once in the whole song. Yeah. But they just said, um, name it Black Dog. Yeah. (laughs) that'd be fine yeah and it it was yeah but i also want to say that robert plant was a big lord of the rings fan how about that yeah he even put in ramble on in the darkest depths of mortar i met a girl so fair that's not happening there are no there are no women in mortar i had to tell him but Gollum, (laughs) the evil one crept up and swept away with her so lord of the rings how about that is in ramble on what a connection huh i know yeah. And a total accident too. Wow. You didn't plan that or anything. I just wanted to make a mention about John Bonham. He died when he was 32. When Taylor Hawkins just died, I got the same pit in my stomach mm-hmm. that I had when John Bonham died. Mm-hmm. These drummers are like a different breed. You know, what is it's with- like they burn up their life force somehow. I don't know. You know, they've I got so know. much energy behind yeah. that kit. Well, they have to. They're athletes when you yeah. think about it. It's like they've, they've, they've got so much and they just, they burn it up somehow. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention is about albums. My favorite album is Physical Graffiti. Probably, well, it's a, it's a double album too, mm-hmm. but probably because it has Cashmere and that's my favorite song. Mm-hmm. My second favorite is Led Zeppelin 4. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when I, because I check uh, Rolling Stones, how they rate different things too. Yeah. They have them the other way around. They have Led Zeppelin four as the best and physical graffiti a second. So I, you know, I'm like, okay, all right. That's good. You're right in there. I'm right in there. Yeah. You know, Uh, just a a couple of memories. Okay. This is what I love so much about music. It Mm -hmm. stays with you. And that's just, isn't it funny how you just, when you hear a song, you know, the words. I was just thinking that like, if I knew the lyrics when I was a kid, even if it's been. 20, 30 years since yeah. I've heard the song, I still remember the word. As complicated as some of these songs are, it's like, man, I know the words. I know. You know? It's crazy. <laughs> but, yeah. But I remember there was a company by the name of Columbia House. They would have a little ad, get 12 albums for the price of one. I would go, okay, I'm going to do a subscription. I remember the one day I came home from work and an album was waiting for me. It was the one I had paid for. It was in Through the Outdoor. Your first play is the best quality play. You know, cassettes were big at that time. So Mm -hmm. what we would do is we would take a clean cassette and we would play the first play on a clean cassette. So this way we had it in our car and played the cassette rather than ruin the album. Mm -hmm. And when I got and I opened it up and I looked at the artwork and stuff, I was like, screw that. I'm playing Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and I never forgot it because the first song just grabs you it's in the evening and it starts with jimmy page on the guitar with his violin bow and there's like a build-up in the evening 
and I'm I'm just like oh I'm playing this whole album sorry (laughs) (laughs) I get goosebumps every time I hear that song I love 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 that song Mm -hmm. I went to St. Augustine and went to the lighthouse it's a thing in the St. Augustine lighthouse you go up the steps to the lighthouse as I was going up the steps I had a Led Zeppelin t-shirt on a lady was coming down the steps and she was significantly older than me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she saw my Led Zeppelin t-shirt. I saw her Led Zeppelin t-shirt. <laughs> we locked eyes and we're like, Hey, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And she says to me, and like I said, significantly older, I would say at that time, she was like 70. Mm-hmm. She said, yeah, I have Swan Song tattooed on my back. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, lady. <laughs> that's hardcore yeah tell me about it Led Zeppelin I think their music holds up to this day you know you play any kind of classic rock you're gonna hear Led Zeppelin at least at least once and something else I should have mentioned also is that um Stairway to Heaven I know it's it's like their biggest biggest hit how many people had that as a prom song oh (laughs) so many I mean a lot of people if you if you ask them what their favorite Led yeah. Zeppelin song is they'll say Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Joe Elliott auditioned for Def Leppard with Stairway to Heaven. Did he really? Yeah. There you I love go. how patient a singer Robert Plant is. And I'm convinced that his favorite word is baby. Baby, baby, baby. Yeah. He does say baby all the time. A lot. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. Love Robert Plant. Yeah. 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 I even love his solo, solo. stuff. Yeah. Very too. much. Yeah. Yeah. We'll probably do rubber plant when we get to P or R. I got to figure it out. I don't know. We have time. I'm sure he'll be in there somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A few more things about Led Zeppelin before we go. Okay. During the time that Bonzo was still alive, they were only nominated for Grammy once. Really? Once. Wow. It was in 1970 for Best New Artist, of which they lost out to Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Really? Yeah. What a bummer. Big bummer. And then again, they were nominated in 2014 two times. And this is when Jason took over on the drums and they uh-huh. did the tour and they did an album. The album was called Celebration Day, it was a live album. They were nominated for Best Rock Performance for Cashmere, but they were nominated and won for Best Rock Album for Celebration Day. Huh. Finally, one Grammy right? It's ridiculous. Arguably the best rock band ever. Yeah. They were nominated three times and won only one Grammy. Just another example, how the Grammys have overlooked a, like a legendary band. Yeah. They were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 1995 by Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And Jason was there and represented his dad. Nice. President Obama paid tribute to Led Zeppelin at the 2012 Kennedy Center Honors, which was awesome (laughs) of course obama did a great job yeah and hart did stairway to heaven with jason on the drums and that was amazing i bet yeah yeah lastly led zeppelin has sold over 300 million albums worldwide which has made them one of the best-selling artists of all time nice it's just like i said a legendary band definitely yeah Keeping with the L theme, I love some of the topics that we covered. Yeah, some pretty iconic ones as yeah, well. Biggies, biggies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big cool. deal. Yeah, yeah, I like when we do that though. Yeah. 
Yeah, me too. They're important to our lives. Important to us, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully to a lot of other people, too. I think so. Yeah. So you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, let's do that. Alrighty. We appreciate you listening. With that, we're out of here. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week.